Welcome back to Built from the Inside Out series, and today we have with us Fox reporter and singer Ivory Hecker. Welcome, and thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Brianda. Of course. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you're from, what you do. Well, I've been in Houston for three years. Uh, Fox recruited me to work here, which is what brought me to Houston, but I originally grew up in Wisconsin. Okay. So uh, I'm a northern girl historically but i absolutely love texas i love the warm weather it's already brutally cold up north i mean it's pretty chilly here now too but yeah. it's a lot better this uh, is cold for us yeah as cold as it gets <laughs> right and so i have thoroughly enjoyed my time here i've lived a lot of places across the country as a reporter and texas is my favorite so that's, awesome. that's great. Well, we're um, happy to have you here. <laughs> yeah, it's great to be here. And then as for the singing side, I mean, I've been playing guitar since uh, I was a teenager, but I just got hit with so the gift of songwriting last year. I've just been songwriting since last year. And okay. since then, people have been asking me to perform different places. So it kind of took off. That's awesome. Yeah. So before we started, we were just talking about how we met. And I remember it was at a charity event and you were emceeing. So is that something that you're still doing also? Or was it like a, I guess sometimes you get asked to do certain things and you just do them. Yeah. Whenever yeah. people, if someone wants to ask me to host or emcee an event and mm -hmm. it's a cause that I think is wonderful, then I'll, I'll be mm -hmm. happy to be a part of it. And it was the Epilepsy Foundation that we, right. where we met and, yeah. uh, it seemed uh, like they were doing some really good things, so yeah. so that was awesome. And, and then, you had just gotten to Houston, right? Yeah, yeah, I think I had only been here for a few months or something yeah, I when think I so. met you. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about what made you want to become a journalist. Well, uh, that happened junior year of high school is when I decided I wanted to do the news uh, because I was studying history and social issues and kind of uh, understanding the role of the press and the free press versus the censored press in various societies mm. uh, around the world okay. and how uh, governments would begin to censor the press whenever they wanted to take control of people's liberties. Mm -hmm. and, and nations like Nazi Germany were able to take such power by first censoring the press. So I realized that we had something unique and val valuable here in America under the First Amendment, the ability right. to uh, share information with people that they are hungry to hear. And and uh, it's not something you get to do in every country so I said I want to be a part of that at the same time I was doing speaking competitions and realized that I, I liked the performance aspect of it as well so I was okay. like let's let's do tv news yeah. and so I uh I applied to Syracuse because it was one of the most prestigious broadcast schools and mm. just went went off from there and have just been uh, you know the whole way you know Broadcasting is a tough business. You don't get paid much at the beginning. It's a lot of hard work, but through it all, I, the, the purpose of utilizing the First Amendment to in, inform people about, about the truth has always been the back, background reason mm -hmm. that I've kept doing what I'm doing. That's awesome. There's so yeah. many questions I want to ask, but I'm going to let you talk about the things that you feel you can talk about and then... Well, I, I mean, ask, what, like, the wrong thing. what do you, okay, <laughs> well, what do you want to ask? What do you want to ask? Well, I don't know what you're allowed to talk about. Well, right now, when you talked about censored press, you know, so many things come to mind with everything that's going on right now, but I don't know. Censorship is a buzzword right now. Yes. We're hearing it a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, I can talk a little bit about that, that uh, what we're seeing is censorship on social media. So it's right. just, it's like an unprecedented time where... Mm -hmm. Uh, social media has such a monopoly, just a few social media corporations. So um, right. we are seeing a different form of censorship that's not coming from government. Mm -hmm. So it it's not uh, it's it's not like what we've had in history, and we still do have the First Amendment, and people still do have the liberty to turn to a different outlet if they want to look for answers to the questions they have. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a great thing. We still have the First Amendment, yet we are seeing uh, 
huge amount of censorship in certain areas, mm-hmm. mainly on social media. And I think people have such an addiction to the social media websites that yeah. they love, such as Instagram, <laughs> that they just stick with it despite being frustrated with censorship. But right. it'll be interesting to see how things play out in the future. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of the, you hear a lot of things and, you know, obviously there's people that are like, well, you know, they're working with the government and the government's telling them what we can see and what we can't see on social media. So it's like... Oh, rumors of whether Instagram's working with the government? Just big tech in general. Right. Well, I know they're getting ter- interrogated by Congress lately. Right. Yeah. I saw about that. that. So, yeah. I it, guess we'll see. We shall see. It's interesting <laughs> times. They are. Well, moving past that, <laughs> uh, let's talk about your singing. So how it started for you. So you said last year is when you started songwriting, but you've been playing the guitar since you were young, younger. You're still yeah. young. <laughs> yeah, since I was like 14 or 15 is when I when I started playing guitar. My dad mm-hmm. taught me. My dad was so musically inclined his whole life, just beautiful music. Um, my dad, beautiful voice, beautiful guitar skills. So he mm-hmm. taught me and then... Um, I just always played guitar therapeutically for myself okay. alone because TV news is a is a really intense business. You can get it. I mean, it's an adrenaline rush, like every day making deadlines, being out on breaking news scenes, chasing down someone with a microphone. <laughs> it's just like, oh, my gosh. At the end of the day, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so drained. And and so there'd be times where I was like, okay, I need to zen out, and my guitar is the only thing that's going to do that. So I would just uh, occasionally just bring out my guitar, and just that was my therapy okay. in between the craziness of TV news. But mm-hmm. last fall, uh, songs just started to come to me, mm-hmm. just like inexplicably, they uh, without any trying. I never planned to write a song, mm-hmm. and they just started to come out of it just felt like there was like someone else inside like telling me this song it was so um inspired I guess I hadn't felt inspiration like that so I just started writing those songs down and um putting them out you know since I felt like those were a gift from God that for a song just come to you so effortlessly Mm -hmm. so I just started producing I mean everything musically just started to come my way last year I'm not sure why but suddenly Mm -hmm. a music producer wanted to work with me music video um videographer wanted to work with me Mm -hmm. a bunch of uh producers have actually wanted to work with me so uh it's been it's been really a cool thing and a big change that literally just started about a year ago that's so so cool and i think i think the inspiration came through meditation you know that's what i'm that's my theories because Mm -hmm. last year in the spring i started meditating every single day and okay. just how do you do that i've been the people always tell me you should meditate and i'm like how do you meditate <laughs> that was me for a long time i was yeah. like what exactly is meditation like, what do you think about like, i'm gonna think. sit quiet in a quarter and <laughs> fight down my thoughts and try to <laughs> keep myself from thinking and it was like uh yeah i didn't know what to do either you know I, I had tried, I think I had tried it like once and that was my experience. Okay, like, okay, my thoughts are racing. I'm supposed to have no thought. How do I shut these thoughts down? <laughs> it was like a battle to crush my thoughts. And I was like, this is not fun. Yeah. But then um, I actually, what I did last year is I got the Headspace app, which is guided meditation. And okay. I found guided meditation so much more helpful. Okay. Because, sound better. yeah, there's yeah. someone actually telling you what to do with your thoughts through the whole experience. And okay. it's, and the meditation can actually begin very short. I started with three-minute meditations. Like, okay, it's just three minutes of my time. I can do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the Headspace app, highly recommend it. Okay. It just teaches you not to battle your thoughts. Just observe your thoughts and understand the separation of of your thoughts from the rest of you. That your thoughts are this tool that you possess you can okay. choose what to think about and and you don't you, you are not your thoughts a lot of people are so identified with their thoughts they think they are their thoughts but if you realize that your thoughts are like if if you are if you are the earth your thoughts are the clouds in the sky okay and sometimes the clouds get stormy and sometimes mm. they dissipate and go away and it's blue sky but mm. 
no matter what, your soul, which is the blue sky, is always there, even when you can't see it through mm. racing thoughts of, of storm clouds. Okay. So it's incredible what happens to you when you take that perspective and realize that, okay, these all these anxious thoughts that are going through my head right now are actually just thoughts. They're not me. Mm. And underneath it all, I'm still going to be okay. Right. It actually really dissipates the anxiety to... Uh, observe the thoughts as just thoughts not controlling you so when I started to practice meditation every day it started to zen out my whole soul because I, I didn't realize before that that I was in a habit of constant subtle anxiety I I just always had a bit of anxiety coursing through my body as if I was prepared for the worst that anything bad could happen, I'd be ready because I'm, I'm on edge and tense and anxious and ready. Like, like that was a good thing. Well, maybe that also has to do with your job, right? Because it's very, perhaps, yeah, I I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if TV news helped to kind of push me towards a subtle amount of anxiety at all times. Yeah, it's a high high adrenaline job a lot of times. But it was literally it, meditation helped me with this mind sw- mindset switch of realizing that I can trust that life is going to be okay and life's going to be for me if I just take a deep breath, relax, and just be completely calm about whatever's happening. And once I created this habit of peace, I think that opened my heart to inspiration. So months later, I, I started writing songs. That's my theory on how I became a songwriter. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. That's awesome. Well, I remember the first time I heard about you singing was uh, you were, I think, I don't know if it was like a charity at Kirby and Chapman that you had played there. That was my very first, my (laughs) very first gig was my friend Meredith Ramirez Mm -hmm. asked me to just play a couple songs on my guitar at mm. her, her um it was an art show the reverie art show it was oh, her very first was. one okay. which was fall october 2019 mm. and when she asked me in like september or august i was like what how do you even know that i play guitar i keep that pretty low key <laughs> But I guess that I'd posted something about it on my instagram at one point and she's like come play and i was like i don't do public gigs but that's kind of a cool challenge I always like to push myself out of my comfort zone right, so yeah. that was my first one I didn't know I didn't know how to prepare my voice and everything I think I was like out of pitch the whole time I didn't know how to warm up my voice <laughs> but sure I <laughs> but I figured it out and uh now my friend Vincent Powell from American Idol helped I was like Vincent please help me mm-hmm. I I don't know what to do with my voice so he he helped teach me how to okay uh warm my voice up that's awesome yeah, yeah I remember seeing that I didn't I was gonna go to that show actually and I ended up not being able to for whatever reason but I saw it and I was like oh it's like I didn't know she sung that's pretty cool yeah that's fun so where can people find your songs where can they listen to them they can listen to my music anywhere that they stream music. So mm-hmm. if you listen to Spotify, you can just search my name or Apple Music. Or if you like to di- download it off iTunes, it's there too. It's on Amazon, okay. Google Play, nice. um, YouTube? and YouTube. Yeah. yeah. I have a couple of music videos out. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, there's just the songs themselves um, without a music video on YouTube as well. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we were actually listening to it today on our way back from the gym. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, ooh, do you want to talk about your move to Houston? Well, you already talked a little bit about it, how Texas is your favorite. <laughs> yes. I came, actually, I, I was working in Minneapolis at the time uh, okay. for NBC. When you're a reporter... Mm-hmm. You're on different contracts. You you spend a contract term with a TV outlet. It's almost like being an athlete where you have to sign a contract and you okay. represent that team for that oh, number okay. of years. But then you can get traded to another team. So I got traded to Fox. Oh, okay. But, but, I didn't know but, that. Yeah, so I was with NBC in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. And then um, Fox brought me on down here. And mm-hmm. that was right right after Hurricane Harvey. I had actually always dreamed of covering a hurricane. Did you and they, 
Well, no, they oh, brought after- they brought me uh, right in after. for the interview right before. Okay. And then I flew home. And then right after I flew home, my agent was like, Ivory, there's a monstrous hurricane on its way to Houston. And I was like, get me hired. Get me <laughs> down there. Get me down there. And uh, unfortunately, obviously, when uh, um, a crisis like that's about to happen, they kind of set hiring aside and like, OK, let's just uh, yeah. do the news full time. And then so they didn't hire me till after the hurricane. But yeah, yeah, that's I've been here since then. Okay. And how do you balance your job and your career and singing? Um, I think it balances uh, together really well. Because like I said, this is something that I was just doing for myself mm-hmm. before. It's like the peacefulness of the music just balances out some of the intensity of news. Mm-hmm. Right. So... Like it's just like a your natural way to relax. thing. Natural thing that yeah. feels good to work on when I'm back home after a day of news. Right. So, but once once people did like really start asking me to do a lot of gigs, and once once people wanted to produce with me, mm-hmm. it got so busy. I, like all my free time went away because suddenly I was I just doing music do. when mm-hmm. I wasn't doing news. But yeah. And then you also go to the gym. You work out. Yeah, it's like, oh my God. This on the side. <laughs> yeah, and when my music, my songwriting actually is crazy. My songwriting literally just, I started writing almost every day. Mm-hmm. When, when the songwriting bug hit me, it was like I was addicted to my guitar every single day after work. I just wanted to be on my guitar, and like more lyrics would come out, more melodies would come out. And so I started. I started slacking on the gym and I was so disciplined at the gym. And I know we're about to talk about (laughs) discipline today. We're supposed to talk about discipline. And uh, yeah, it was like, oh my gosh, my whole passion changed. And suddenly I was like, oh man, I'll I'll hit the gym later. But but this is something really unique that's happening to me. So I'm going to seize this inspiration. Mm -hmm. But so literally getting more spiritual and and becoming a songwriter did distract from my fitness before that I feel like I was just actually before that fitness was my therapy it's like I didn't know how else to get rid of the anxiety but to hit the gym real hard so that was an extra incentive to hit the gym was like well I'm gonna be more zened out after that Mm-hmm. But now that music does that for me, now yeah, I have to find another, 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 that's another reason <laughs> to hit the gym. <laughs> I've been there. I've done that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I, there was a point in my time where I was really into it and I was competing and then, and it was that for me too. It was like, like for my mental health and yeah. then, you know, I started doing other things and I started liking those other things better and I'm like, oh, I want to go to the gym. <laughs> but yeah, we have to be disciplined. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little about the difference between discipline and motivation and why discipline is more important than motivation? Oh, people have discussed that, how, how discipline is more important than motivation. I, I don't know. Why is it to you? Because I, I um, oh, I get what you're saying. So discipline, yeah. motivation is feeling like doing mm-hmm. it, but discipline is doing it even when you yep. don't feel like it. Right. That's right. Yeah. So so that's obviously more important because mm-hmm. you're not always going to feel like doing something to reach your goal. Right. Um so so the the way that we can achieve our wildest dreams and be what we've always wanted to be is by setting our sights far. You know, we have to set a goal that's off in the distance Mm -hmm. and then we have to have daily steps to get there and we're not Mm -hmm. always going to feel Mm -hmm. like being on that step but that's what separates greatness from mediocrity is the people with the discipline to hit that step every day even when they don't want to that is why greatness that is so rare Mm -hmm. and mediocrity is so common because of the rare tool of discipline which is not always utilized Mm -hmm. so uh motivation is so important it it really it really helps you you have to find your why and -hmm. if you can create a a discipline of motivation actually 
then you're really on a great path and I think you can and I and that's something that I worked on when I first got into fitness mm-hmm. and actually not just fitness but I I um having having a discipline of motivation actually transforms your entire life so what and, do you mean by discipline of motivation well I'll go back and tell my tell my story because it, it's a tv news story this all okay. it really my big transformation, I think, happened in Kentucky when I was a reporter for NBC in Kentucky mm-hmm. several years ago, and I was bitter at my boss at the time for not giving me the job opportunities I thought I was going to have. I thought I was going to be alive on TV more, and I thought I was going to be anchoring more, and he wasn't giving me that, and so I thought, wow, I'm going to be trapped here, not not getting the experience I thought I was going to get to get me to the next level. And so I, I decided to be bitter at him as if that would solve something. Mm -hmm. And I spent several months being miserable. And then I realized that all that, all of my bitterness was doing, it wasn't affecting him at all. It wasn't bringing justice to me. It was actually tearing me down. It, Mm -hmm. I was becoming worse of a reporter because I was, negative all the time Mm. worse at everything in life you don't feel like doing great things when you're negative Mm -hmm. and it was also affecting my health in a negative way I think the most toxic things for your body is is actually bitterness so I agree so yeah what what happened is actually my mom had given me this book you can heal your life by Louise Hay and it had just been sitting on my nightstand for a long time and I one day I picked it up and the words in the book just hit me so hard about uh, about changing your perspective to change your life, change, mm. changing your thoughts to change your life, the power of thought um, right. and disciplining your thoughts. So a discipline of motivation. Motivation is um, being excited about something mm-hmm. that you want. And so uh, it's like this joy. I would say motivation is similar to joy. Mm-hmm. And you have to do the opposite of bitterness to get to a place of motivation. So mm-hmm. I, first of all, that book was so great because it had these little tools on how to forgive whatever you're bitter at. And it was like, you don't, you don't, I don't need to go to my boss and, and, and forgive him or whatever. He doesn't care. But in my heart, I need to, mm-hmm. f- I need to forgive him. I need to realize that it's up to me that the, I need to take personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. I'm in this position because of me really. And it's up to me. It's only up to me to get to where I want to be. So once I forgot, like, okay, dismiss these thoughts about, about how your boss is not giving you opportunities. Let's look at doing what you can, where you are with what you have. Mm -hmm. So, I just decided for first of all you got to forget about the bad thoughts and then choose positive thoughts to to focus on and then positive actions that are going to go along with those thoughts. And so I said, "What how can I be my very best in every aspect to get myself out of this place?" Cuz at the time I was like, "Get me out of Kentucky. I hate Kentucky." But now I look back on K- Kentucky so fondly because and I would love to go back and visit there because of the wonderful learning experiences it was. And, uh, so the, I was a one man band reporter there. I would have to carry my own camera gear, do everything myself, oh, wow. you know, film mm-hmm. things myself, edit things, write scripts. I, I mean, I'm still, I still write scripts every day, mm-hmm. but I'm a professional videographer and editor because of my experiences in, mm-hmm. in that. And, um, I decided to take this mindset of I'm going to enjoy being tough I'm actually out here in the holler is what they called it in Kentucky, which is like the wild west wilderness <laughs> where laws don't really exist and uh, people do crazy things. So there's always some wild news out there okay. and they just send me there on my own. It was dangerous. Oh, wow. The roads were so narrow, single lane that you, your car, people's cars, the tires would slip off the drop off edge of these roads on the mountainside 
all the time. Wow. It's like the most dangerous <laughs> thing. And I'm on deadline. Like the producers are like, Ivory, are you get, getting there in time? And I'm racing down this single lane road, lugging the equipment myself. And Haney, I'm like, I'm supposed to look glam on TV after all this. Um, but I realized I, I need to take this perspective of, of being tough is, is fun. It's fun to prove how tough I am and achieve this yeah. feat. So watch me make this deadline, do an awesome report, make it look good, make myself look good and everything, despite all of the crazy behind the scenes things. And uh, that is going to be, I'm going to feel awesome about, about putting on an awesome product Right. At people are like, how did you do that? So um, instead of being like, I hate that they're putting me through this tough thing. It's like, watch me be tough. So I changed my perspective in my job. Awesome. At home, I was like, I'm going to be the best I can with fitness. I started mm -hmm. to discipline myself with diet, meal prep. Mm -hmm. Out in those hillsides of Kentucky, I had all my little meal preps with me, mm -hmm. eating at a certain time and a healthy food, and my body started to transform. And then you watch, you watch your news product is better, your body's transforming. And in the beginning, it's like you don't feel like doing this today. But then at the same time, it's like, wait, doing this new discipline, this new lifestyle is going to take me to a place that I want to be. Mm -hmm. So you have that little incentive, but there's definitely right. days where you don't feel like it. Mm -hmm. But eventually you start to see results and then the results bring more motivation. Mm -hmm. And then you constantly look at the end goal every day, get excited about the end goal, and that creates a discipline of motivation. Okay. Mm so that makes uh, sense. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. and, but the huge key with creating that discipline of motivation is dismissing whatever you were bitter about. You got to get rid of that first, forget whatever you're bitter about, Right. Yeah. then start to focus on what's, what's going to give you joy, no matter what anyone else is doing and being my best was going to give me joy. Yeah. And so after a few months, I had my best body I'd ever had. I was doing my nice. best news I'd ever done. So, and, and, uh, it's just like you get this one life. Why not honor the body you have? Mm -hmm. And then why not do your best work and be bold and um, and enjoy look at the bright side of every situation? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I just created that a total switch in my mindset there uh, in Kentucky mm -hmm. and said, you know, I'm going to prove my boss wrong if he's not giving me opportunities i'm going to show how valuable i am right and um if if we're talking revenge i guess that's the best revenge yeah is that to to prove him wrong i mm -hmm. guess yeah. and sure enough like, and it's crazy and i believe in law of attraction if you focus on on greatness greatness will come towards you mm -hmm. I think and you believe too. in your own greatness will come towards you and so in a matter of months I had proved myself and a much bigger city was calling my name, asking me to asking to pay me way more, awesome. ask, asking to giving, give me anchoring for the first time, which Kentucky wouldn't give me. And uh, they just scooped me up out of there. And everyone back in Kentucky was like, how did she get that? But I really attribute it to months of just doing what a lot of people don't feel like doing. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody saw that day-to-day -day grind that I, I had completely changed my mind and my lifestyle f daily for months. Mm -hmm. They just saw, wait, now she's at this big station in Minneapolis, which is market 15 out of 200. That's huge. And then she's, uh, she's on the anchor desk. What the heck happened? That's you awesome. Know? So that's, uh, yeah, I think that, that just created more of a discipline of motivation mm -hmm. and it just became easier and easier to look at mm -hmm. things that motivate you to be even better right yeah and something that you mentioned uh like for me like there's days where i wake up and i wake up on time to go to the gym and i'm like oh but it feels so good to just lay here and then i don't go to the gym and because at that moment i want to do you know what what i feel like doing instead of doing what i know i should be doing 
And then later during the day, I feel bad about myself. I'm like, I'm like, why? I should have just gone. I should have just done the thing that I didn't want to do at that moment, but that I knew was going to be good for me overall to my long-term goal and also make me feel better throughout the day. Because then I have that regret the whole day. I'm like, I didn't go. I didn't work out. I'm like, I'm probably not going to go after work either. And so it's like just doing it, even if you don't feel like it, it just makes such a big difference. It really does. Yeah. Yeah, It's crazy. You can start a day with discipline on this foot of of doing what you know is going to create your your goal, that it can change the whole day. Yeah, it can it change really your whole can. perspective for the day and create momentum. And eventually, I literally got to this place where I eventually craved the gym. I for a long mm-hmm. time, it was like, oh my gosh, I gotta, I gotta go to the gym. I don't want to, mm-hmm. but I know that I'm gonna feel better after, and I'm mm-hmm. gonna get these results. Right. And tracking your results is important. Weighing yourself, taking pictures, mm-hmm. to prove to yourself that the discipline is working. Yeah, but eventually. I developed a craving for the gym. So mm-hmm. discipline does get easier. I hope that people realize that. It yeah. is so worth it to discipline. You get to mm-hmm. a, such a place of momentum mm-hmm. that you love the gym, actually. Yeah. I feel like for me, it's like the hardest is just getting started. Because once I start seeing yeah. results, I'm like, oh, you know, like it motivates me. I'm like, oh, I want to go back. I want to, you know, I saw that it's working, so I want to do it more and see more results. Where, like, at the beginning, for me personally, it's, like, hard because, like, I fall off and then I come back and then I fall off again. And I'm like, if I would just stick to it, I would start liking it, like, liking it again. And I know I would, but that's a little battle I'm having right now with myself. <laughs> yeah, and we all get we all get in those battles. My biggest battle right now is time. There's so many things that I want to do. And I'm at this place where so many opportunities come to me. And I just mm-hmm. want to say yes to them all. And then it's like okay i now the issue is not not uh you know doing each thing well you know because now that i'm doing all these different things it's easy to be to be like oh my gosh i'm out of time for the day to hit the gym or whatever you know Mm -hmm. so then you end up doing something halfway and that's not good either yeah (laughs) Yeah. so my next big discipline challenge is time Mm -hmm. how to make time for everything that and prioritize the things you want most yeah i think for me like what i've found works the best is doing it waking up at four being at the gym by five because that's when nothing comes up you know nobody's like calling you like hey we should go do this or hey it's someone's birthday it's like everybody most people are sleeping at that time so that's like your time for you to actually get it done yes so i know if i get it out of the way in the morning i have the rest of the day to do whatever i need to do Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Same. I've been working out early a lot more often. Mm -hmm. And then the big discipline challenge is night. Okay. It's time for bed. You know, (laughs) I hate going to bed early and my entire life I've hated going to bed early, but it's like, okay, I've got this gym appointment in the morning. So I have to get, turn the lights out and make things happen. Yeah. Yeah. I I like sleeping. So that's not a problem for me. (laughs) So tell us what are some of the sacrifices you've had to make to reach some of your goals? Well, uh, you told us your story. That was a that's a really good story actually. You, you motivated yeah. me. <laughs> the the story, yeah, in Kentucky, you know, yeah. those sacrifices of uh, forfeiting forfeiting junk food, um mm-hmm. forfeiting uh uh just watching TV. I I'd hit the gym instead of watching mm-hmm. my favorite shows on TV. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, um, it's that, that really helped me transform my body, which helped, helped me gain confidence. And once you have confidence, you can conquer so much else in life. Mm-hmm. But then last year was that the challenge, the challenge of finding more, more peace and trusting life. Okay. So the sacrifice there when I decided to be more spiritual and just stop resisting and thinking that everything's going to go wrong, start mm-hmm. to believe that things are going to go right. With meditation, um, so you have to sacrifice your belief that 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 things are not going to go right 
I guess, mm. basically. Okay. And and a lot of times it's just I think of when you think of sacrifice, I just think of the Nike, the old Nike slogan, just do it. Mm-hmm. And because at some time you play this mental game with yourself about um, whether whether this is really the thing that I, I have to do right now. And, you know, whether that's mm-hmm. with fitness or with thought or with any discipline. Right. And then at some point you just have to s- just be like, whatever, whatever thought is going through my head, I'm going mm-hmm. to just do it. Right. Just take the action that you had already predetermined would be right for you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that, that can really help when you, when you just stop the mental game and just do it. Right. And it's hard. That's why a lot of people don't usually like the steps to get to where you want to be there. Most of the time they're simple, but they're just hard to do. You know, like fitness, it's like, for example, if you want to lose weight, something basic, calories in, calories out. But for someone to actually do it and put their emotions aside from, oh, well, you know, there's this gathering or I really, I'm really craving junk food or I'm really whatever. So that's a hard thing. Same with finances. You know, you're like, okay, I know I'm supposed to save, but somebody just called me and they're hanging out. So I want to go hang out too. I don't want to stay at home. And, and there's like most goals have simple steps. It's just being disciplined and actually do, putting your emotions aside and saying, you know what? I'm going to discipline myself and I'm just going to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But you start to see the results of, of those daily discipline real quick, mm-hmm. I think. And it can create that motivation momentum to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to have that ton of vision. Yes. What's Delete def- distractions. Absolutely. You know. Mm-hmm. It's so important to delete distractions. If if you're trying to change your diet, mm-hmm. get rid of the junk food in your house. No mm-hmm. junk food, you know. Yeah. If if um whatever whatever tempts you away from the gym, like if it's TV, you have to get rid of your TV or something. Yeah, you got to um, do what you got to do. <laughs> or even people who who don't believe in in your goals. I think it's really important to surround yourself mm-hmm. with people who are on the same sort of path that you want to be on i always liked to uh like be a little fish in a big pond no matter what i just i've always wanted to have people around me who are like above Mm -hmm. me who are doing greater things than me so that i can constantly be inspired to be like them i want to be around people who are more disciplined than me Mm -hmm. and uh and there there have been times in my life where I find myself around people who are saying, oh, you don't you don't need to make that discipline. You know, you look great. Why are you mm-hmm. trying to be so fit? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's like, OK, I do not need to hang out with you then. Yeah, <laughs> I need to hang out with someone when I say. Oh, my gosh, I am trying to hit my calories this day. I, today I think I hit my calories and I'm good and I'm <laughs> shredding and they say that they say that's awesome I hit my mm-hmm. calories too or you know you go yeah. instead of saying you don't need to do that you look fine mm-hmm. you know someone who says you know a round of applause for trying to be even better than you already are yeah I like that and that's so true because you start surrounding yourself with those people and you're like oh maybe I do look good maybe I don't need to yeah yeah and then before you know it's like no i mean i sure i look fine but why not be your very best Mm -hmm. exactly you know they start to convince you it it, it is okay if i just it's okay if i just take it easy and succumb to my gluttonous desire (laughs) my debauchery today (laughs) when really it's like no, that's not, that's not uh, going to be your highest good. You want people who, you want to be around people who are all trying to be their very best mm-hmm. version of themselves. Yeah. Can all lift each other up. Yeah, because they'll motivate you. You're like, instead of looking around the crowd that you're hanging out with and being like, oh, you know, every, all we do is just hang out, go to work, and that's it. Why not I do the same? But instead, when you hang out with those kind of people who have bigger dreams, you're like, oh, shoot, they're doing this. Oh, they're doing that. Oh, I can learn from them. 
And then, they, you know, you start learning things from them and start applying them to your life. Yeah. And that's when you start seeing a change. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I agree. So what's your drive to do what you do? What drives me? Mm-hmm. That's something I've always wondered. I've always wondered why I have a lot of motivation. Um, and some people, some people aren't motivated. They're, they're happy to just like mm-hmm. work at a gas station their whole life. Yeah. But... Um, so what, what drives me? I don't know. I, I thought maybe believing in myself, believing that I, that I can, Mm -hmm. uh, achieve my heart's desire, you know, but then Mm -hmm. some people just have different heart, different desires in their hearts, uh, desires for simplicity, but I have desires to just do like everything I can in life, you know, (laughs) go in a constant different angle, uh, directions. Yeah. You know, we're talking about real estate now. I'm invest- yeah. investing in real estate. <laughs> I'm awesome. actually investing in stocks and Bitcoin and I'm doing music and I'm <laughs> doing doing news and fitness and all this stuff. Yeah. But what drives me, um, just like, just, uh, I don't, I, 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 it's something that's always baffled me is why different people have different levels of motivation. Mm-hmm. I felt grateful that I always have a lot of uh I've always seemed to have a lot of ambition. I've been grateful for that and hoped that I would never go away. And I think, but I think as long as I see someone achieving something and um, applaud them rather than criticize, rather than jealousy, Mm -hmm. you say, wow, that's awesome. You you can make a mental choice, I think, when you see someone achieving something greater than you. You can choose jealousy or mm-hmm. applause and er, yeah. and saying, wow, I'm going to put myself in their shoes. If I achieved what they just achieved, how amazing mm-hmm. would that be? And, um, and when you put yourself in their shoes and, and applaud them and say, that is so wonderful. I would love mm-hmm. to do that myself. Yeah. Then it just like it puts you in this perspective like, oh, I do want to achieve that. Let me go mm. after that. Yeah. And then you just form more ambition. Right. Yeah. I feel like for me, it was like the way I grew up my childhood. You know, I'd literally come from nothing. And I was like, you know what? I don't want, when I have kids, I don't want them to grow up this way. So for me, like that's always been my motivation. Like everything I do, it's been like for my future kids. I don't have kids yet, but, and I still don't know for sure if I'm going to have them, but like I would want to. So I'm like, I want to give them the best life, you know, the best that I can give them. And, you know, growing up, my mom would always have this mentality about rich people, like making them out to be like bad people or um, they were born into money. So, you know, whatever. And as I started like learning more and interacting with different types of people, I'm like, they don't all come from money. A lot of them learn how money works they discipline themselves there's like different techniques that can get you there like literally anyone you don't need to be born into money to you know become somebody who's successful and then you know after I learned that I was like well everything she told me was wrong (laughs) (laughs) so I was like well let me hang out with them let me see what they're doing let me see what I can learn from them and then you know that's and for me personally that's my drive that's awesome. Yeah, no, I also came from poverty, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, country poverty, one of 12 kids in the country of oh, Wisconsin. Wow. and But I was so blessed that I, I had parents who believed in big dreams. Even though they, they hadn't achieved those dreams themselves, they mm-hmm. taught us that they were, trying to pers- they were trying to achieve their dreams and teach their children that you can achieve whatever you want in life. That's awesome. And so... I feel like I I had those parents who were like on that cusp of making that mental switch from hating the rich to Mm, wanting to be one of the rich. (laughs) (laughs) Look, if you hate something, you're going to keep it away from you. Exactly. If you love something and accept something, it comes towards you. So I'm going to, I'm going (laughs) to love and accept success. You're like, y'all can be my friends coming out. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and for me, like, my mom, like, she she had that mentality, but she did always, like, instill in me, like, you have to go to college. Like, no matter what, she was like, you have to go to college, you have to. And so, like, by me going there, you know, and meeting different types of people, like, I was telling my boyfriend whenever I got to, because I went to tech, and it was a complete culture shock. Completely. It was. Where'd you grow up? In Freeport. Okay. Yeah, so it's a small town. My, my experience was a culture shock, too, yeah. let me tell you. 
<laughs> How was it for you? Well, okay, so it was kind of like a also a race thing because you know Freeport it's a lot of Mexicans and um, there's not not a lot of white people, you know, blacks and Mexicans mostly. And then when I got to Tech, it was a lot of white people. And to me, that was like, oh, I'm like, what? You know, it was different for me. And then, um, so that was a culture shock for me. And then as I started getting to know people, hanging out with them, I noticed that they had different mentalities from what we had back home. You know, it's a small town, so that also comes into play, you know, small town mentality sometimes. Um, and then, you know, they had all these like ambitions and things that they wanted to do and they knew it was possible. And I'm like, what, you know, to me it was like such a shock. And then that's what, where I started to learn, like, you know, I, I can have big dreams and I can get there if I just work hard and, you know, discipline myself, follow the steps because everything has steps. Like you said, you know, there's, I've been listening to Dave Ramsey a lot and he says, how do you eat an elephant? I think it is, and it's one bite at a time. Yes, and that's basically what it takes. One bite, at, one bite at a time. So, you know, growing up in Freeport with a mom who, you know, uh, she didn't go to school in Mexico. Like she went to like fifth grade, I think, and then that was the most education she got. And then going to a university like that, it was just a culture shock. Yeah, yeah. I had such a similar. Yeah. experience too and i think it was will smith who said how do you build the best wall lay each brick with uh, precision take each small step perfectly and you're <laughs> gonna build something great yeah. but yeah so i you know growing up country poverty in wisconsin mm -hmm. going to syracuse university neither of my parents went to college my dad didn't make fast the sixth grade mm -hmm. but um syracuse in new york and it was like the wildest uh, culture shock because suddenly I'm around rich city kids and I'm mm. country poverty. I think it, it was like rich Jewish. There's a large Jewish population. Okay. And um, and I was I was I was if you speak of race, I was from white country poverty, and and then suddenly there there was like a big diversity of people, but the mm. people that I I guess related to the most were the poor because I came from the poor mm. and a lot of the poor were the minorities. Uh, and so I was a, I was the white poor kid amongst, uh, amongst like black and Hispanic kids from, uh, from New York city that, and we all became friends. And, um, but then they didn't fully accept me because they, they saw me as a rich white kid. They, they literally told me in college, like, if you, if you're white, you're rich. That's how it works. That and yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm <laughs> not rich. And uh, so that was just such an interesting. It's like there was no one there that I fully related to. Nobody fully like accepted where I, the unique background that I came from. Yeah. And that was a really great learning experience for me. And just mm -hmm. like sorting out my role in society <laughs> and and just being it being an individual and just uh go, getting past any any like hurdle to achieve mm -hmm. to to achieve what I wanted to and a lot of you know a lot of the kids who were there at this rich private school had their parents paying for them and they weren't fully valuing this high-end education mm -hmm. so they're partying all the time and I had to discipline myself right. of like okay let's actually get this education because you're in a different situation than the, the other mm -hmm. kids whose yeah. parents are going to scoop them up if they screw up if you mm -hmm. screw up you're on the streets I actually had this big fear of homelessness when I was in college really yeah because I was like my dad cannot help me yeah. if he you know he actually the business he did have got uh, ruined by the 2008 recession so oh, okay. it was like we were poorer than ever and it's like oh my gosh okay I've got to be disciplined in college and make this happen right but uh and it comes down to lay each brick with precision because it's like oh uh, at, at some point it'd be so overwhelming how am I gonna how am I actually gonna get this degree and then how am I gonna figure out how to get my first job yeah. when my parents haven't done this themselves and then it was just like let's just take one step at a time 
But I think that makes you like more hungry. Like it drives you more. You're more driven than those people that yes, had it yeah. easier than you did. Yeah. Yeah. Part of what was driving me was fear. <laughs> the <laughs> fear of failure. Like I cannot end up homeless. Oh, that's so funny. As that's <laughs> always been my fear. When people ask me, what, what's your biggest fear? I'm like, failure. Yeah, I want to be successful. Oh, I thought you were yeah. saying homeless. One of my biggest fears was homelessness. Actually, really? one of my first student journalism projects, I went out and interviewed the homeless because it fascinated me. Like, how do some people succeed and some fail? Right. So I went out and interviewed the homeless and said, how did you get here? What exactly happened? Mm-hmm. You know? What did you find out? Um, well, a lot of them, I mean, a lot of them was it was drugs or, mm-hmm. or alcohol or... Um, honestly, a lot of them were, were choosing to be on the streets because there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of shelters. The Salvation Army has amazing opportunities. They have a business center where you can actually figure out how to apply to jobs, get your mm-hmm. resume good. But, um, a lot of people, it was a choice to take the easy way and mm-hmm. not, not dis- it was literally an absolute lack of discipline actually. Wow. Um, yeah. w- which led to homelessness. You can discipline yourself to walk into the Salvation Army, um, toughen up and speak to someone that you don't feel like confronting and say, look, I'm acknowledging that I've I've fallen fallen short somewhere. I'm, I'm on the streets now. This is insanely humbling, and mm-hmm. I want to improve myself. Right. Help me build my resume. And th- there's uh, there are helpers out there if you're willing to humble yourself it, what's interesting mm-hmm. to me some of the homeless are some ha- have some of the largest egos actually the people that i interviewed mm. were just uh very very prideful attitudes yeah mm. and even in now as a reporter from time to time we cover the homeless and i've mm-hmm. i've covered coat drives and interviewed homeless hey how do you feel about this new coat that you that you were given you know mm-hmm. and they'd be like well it's not really the coat that i wanted uh this is not exactly and it was just shocking to me it was like wow but i mean uh, everyone's different but i've met a lot of homeless with huge egos and lack of gratitude and Mm. i realized i just realized that to take a step towards success it's important to humble yourself to to humble yourself and acknowledge where you're at and your responsibility in that Mm. in that like I have a choice to just stay here or figure something else out, but I need to acknowledge where I'm at right now and not, mm-hmm. not in be, be in denial about it. And then i also have gratitude for mm-hmm. uh, what you do receive. You have right. to have gratitude to accept, accept more things. Right. And then um, uh, part of humility is being willing to ask for help mm-hmm. because there's a lot of people willing yeah. to help you and teach you yeah. and ask people to be your mentors and things like that. So mm-hmm. I think that I, it, from my studies of homelessness, from the <laughs> fear of homelessness when I was back in college, <laughs> it taught me uh, I, that in many ways, uh, in many ways, homelessness is a choice. I mean, and many times, like, especially staying there, you know, Yeah. Um, because there's there's help out there you can get back on your mm-hmm. feet but it's going to take humility and discipline yeah and that so that dissipated my fear of becoming homeless oh okay and i never i never yeah. became homeless actually there was a time in college where i was like sleeping on couches i was just dirt poor but yeah yeah but now look at you now <laughs> right, right right it's a it's a blessing so we found your drive that's what drives you <laughs> <laughs> So fear, fear of failure, fear of homelessness can uh, cause you to inquire about what leads to, what leads to failure. Right. Then arm yourself with that education Mm -hmm. to make sure that doesn't happen and go the opposite way. Exactly. Yeah. I, I can totally relate. Not to the homelessness. I've never been, I've never been scared to be homeless, but I guess because I have a lot of family, and I'm like, someone will take me in. But, <laughs> but the fear of failure, I can relate to that. Yeah, uh-huh. and just going to the, maybe the, maybe not the extreme, but there were times where I was doing so much, and I was just like, I just like that's that was my only thing. Like I want to be successful. I want to be successful, yeah. and that, and I think that's why I just wanted 
the opposite of what I grew up, how I grew up, that's not what I want to give my future kids. Same. Yeah. 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 So what is some advice you would like to give a younger girl or even a guy, a younger person who is watching us um, and still working on his or her dreams? Uh, My advice? Oh, so much advice. (laughs) But uh, discipline is something so important. Uh, Believing in yourself is something so critical. You have to believe that you can achieve what what you dream of achieving. Mm -hmm. And they'll just, uh, my advice to people is that there'll always be people looking down on what you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's important to keep your dreams and goals quiet mm-hmm. to protect yourself right. from the haters and or the ones who aren't necessarily haters, but they're, they're well-wishers who want to protect you from failure <laughs> by discouraging you from dreaming too big. And if you open up to those people who are just trying to coddle you and protect you from dreaming too big and hurting yourself through failure, don't tell your dreams to those people because they will convince you not to, not to leap as high. And when your dreams and goals and ambitions are new, they're fragile and they need to be protected. And I I kept my, uh, goals with news, uh, mm-hmm. pretty quiet, uh, from everyone in my hometown Really, in small town, Wisconsin, it was outrageous mm-hmm. to th- ever think of going working for Fox. And so I kept that very quiet mm-hmm. because I knew the only feedback I would get from people in my hometown was let's think of something more practical, Ivory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so... <laughs> So I, uh, you know, so that's important and keep it quiet from the, from the only open up to people, probably people who are already achieving big things and then open up to them asking for advice and, Mm -hmm. and get yourself some mentors and then follow what the mentors tell you to say. A lot of people like to just take in info about what they should be doing and not practice it. You have to discipline yourself to implement what your mentors are telling you to do and right. transform your lifestyle, delete distractions, mm-hmm. and that's how you become successful. Yeah, and I like what you said about ignoring those people that want to protect you. That, a lot of the times that's a projection of themselves. Like They're too scared or they don't believe themselves. They don't think they can do it, so they think that you can't do it either. And it's okay. not that... Not necessarily that they don't think you're capable, but they don't think that they themselves are capable. So then they start projecting that on you when it's like, well, you know, let me do my thing. And like you said, it's it's important to like keep quiet about things at first. Um, I like to do that. Like when I started the company, I didn't tell anyone. Um, I think just my these, immediate these family. These bad boys right here? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Until, you know, I had everything. The company was registered. I had the collagen in my hand. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to tell people. Because you just never know. And then there, like you said, there are a lot of people who will try to stop you from achieving whatever it is you want to do. And sometimes it's just better to go to those people that are already doing it and that will provide you help with help and information. And then once it's done, you're like, hey, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yes. Can it goes yeah. back to motivation. You have to, to achieve something great, you've got to dis- discipline yourself into staying motivated to and being motivated is believing that you still can achieve this. Mm-hmm. And if you allow other people's perspectives to come in that hurt you, you start to see things through their small minds. Right. And then you may end up forfeiting what you really wanted to do. Yeah. Stop caring what people think. That's a huge oh, yeah. piece of advice. If you yeah. If you get your tunnel vision and just be you, Mm-hmm. believe in yourself believe in your goals don't care what anyone thinks accept advice accept constructive criticism yeah. but take everything with a grain of salt and just do you right <laughs> i like that yeah. so they can find you on instagram as real.ivory and then on YouTube, also your name, right? Ivory. Yeah, if you search my okay. name, you'll find my news channel and my music mm-hmm. channel on on YouTube. So I've separated news and and 
music because okay. they're so different. I just right. don't like posting about a murder and then oh here's uh, a love yeah. song it's just like <laughs> such a clash so i i just yeah. this year i created a new instagram <laughs> at ivory lyrics for my music and then real.ivory okay. is my news okay and then you'll see both of my my music and my news channels on youtube as well love it all right well thank you for being here today thanks for having me of course